Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to All Steelers Talk, your home for everything Pittsburgh Steelers, presented by AllSteelers.com. What is up, Steelers Nation? Thank you so much for jumping on to another episode of All Steelers Talk. I'm Noah Strackbine, joined every Monday and Wednesday by my main man, Stephen Thompson. The Pittsburgh Steelers have cut 29 guys, traded two of them. It was an absolutely bonkers Tuesday here in the city of Pittsburgh. Make sure to go subscribe to us on YouTube, youtube.com slash all Steelers talk and find our audio collection anywhere you get your podcasts. Steven, as always, it's a beautiful day in the Berg. It was a rough day for 2,700 guys yesterday in the NFL, but it's part of the business. I feel my friend. Feeling good. Like you said, yesterday, everything came kind of fast and furious. We, uh, it was good. We didn't really get a break yesterday, but it was nice to always have something to write about, I guess. Yeah, it uh, it definitely never stopped um, one time. I From the second I woke up, actually, like I went to the gym. I'm, I'm big important days like this. I have a regimen of I wake up at 5 a.m. and go to the gym so that like I could just get it over over with. So I don't have to like think about it all day long. Went to the gym the second I walked in the door after the gym. I was like. All right, news is already happening. John LeGlue got cut. From there, it was everybody and anybody. I was actually in the room when they called Anthony McFarland over to get cut. It it sucks. It kind of heart it breaks your heart a little bit, but it's part of the business. I think people are going to go and pick him up along with a bunch of other guys. But on top of that, they made two trades, which is super significant. Oh, and before we get into anything, we have to address the microphone. So we 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 know that uh, a couple people realized that our mics are different yesterday that's that's a work in progress we uh next monday we'll both have the same mic so we'll be fine uh won't have to worry about this This is what happens when donnie leaves to go take on big boy jobs and we get thrown into the fire we blame this on donnie um blame it on me (laughs) blame it on the new guy we'll blame it on you and donnie and maybe a little bit of Derek and me you know we'll just blame it on everybody all right anyways the pittsburgh steelers made two trades malik malik reed out of denver and Jesse Davis out of Minnesota really never played a game for Minnesota was signed in March lasted six months. Let's start with Malik Reed traded a sixth round pick for Malik Reed and a seventh. So basically said, Hey, can we have an outside linebacker in Denver said, yeah, here's one that started 13 games and had eight sacks last season. And we were like, Oh, okay, cool. Thank you. Great move for the Pittsburgh Steelers. In my opinion, when you saw the move coming, 
What'd you yeah. feel? What'd you think? Oh yeah. I mean, like you said, they basically got him for free. Uh, he is uh, an extremely productive linebacker. He's young. He fills a position in need. It, like a complete home run um, for for Omar Khan, the Pittsburgh front office. Um, yeah, no complaints at all. Like you got a really productive young linebacker for nothing. For nothing. For literally nothing. And I got a phone call. So my dad is like a diehard Denver Broncos fan. And I got a phone call yesterday. And he, I pick up the phone. And I was like, I was like, yo, what's going on? I know what this is about already. And he's like, I can't believe you guys just did that. Malik Reed is a stud. He, he's going to be great off the bench. Don't start him. I'm like, well, he's probably he's not going to start. He might start week one if if Alex Highsmith isn't healthy. But I would even expect Derek Tushka to still start if Highsmith isn't ready. And then let Marie, Malik Reed just kind of fill in like after a couple of reps to make sure. I mean, you don't want to start a guy after a week here. They did that with Monty Adams last year. It didn't work out very well. A guy, I mean, he had nothing but rave reviews. He was like, this guy, you steal for a sixth rounder. You can't believe he went undrafted. Denver has way too many outside linebackers. They should have got rid of him. I was like, all right, well, great Glad move, I guess. Your hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a great move for the Pittsburgh Steelers. No complaints. Um, fills exactly what they need, I believe. We talked all summer about how Derek Tushka, I mean, at the end of it, we were trying to make excuses for Hamaka Rashid about how it's like, oh, well, he's taking reps with the ones. He did nothing in the preseason, but he's taking reps with the ones, and that should be enough. He should be the answer. And it wasn't. I think we both kind of knew that. Like, in our head, we were just like, this is this is another Taco Charlton-type situation. Yeah, seemed a little forced. Exactly. I think, overall, this, this has got to be a win for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Do you think he, he plays an immediate role? Week one, you think it's a slow development? You know, what what do you see out of this? Um, yeah, I'd have to imagine it's a slower burn. Um, like you said, just bringing a guy in this late in the preseason probably means that he has to get up to speed, and you know, we'll give him a little bit of grace and tell him, and you know, give him some time to to get time to get back into the get back into the swing of things with the Steelers and just learn the system and all that. Um, it does change if how Tysmith's not good to go? Uh, maybe they rely on him a little bit more, but yeah, I would have to imagine it'd be a, a slow burn. Yeah, I think that he walks in here. Like I said, I don't think Alex Highsmith is going to start week one because I don't know what the update on that rib injury is. If he doesn't, I would say Derek Tushka starts just because he understands the defense. And then from there, you let Malik Reed just kind of ride and you let him play that third outside linebacker. I mean, if you're bringing eight sacks in, people are trying to downplay eight sacks. I saw yesterday. I mean, but, but, buddy. Yeah, buddy. Bud Dupree was $12.5 million franchise tagged for eight sacks in a season. Malik Reed coming in here with a tender that probably costs about $2.5 million is, I mean, chef's kiss. Absolutely phenomenal. Phenomenal work by Omar Khan. Then he came back, grabbed Jesse Davis and people for a quick second or a quick, it took no time at all. And I, I have very, so much respect for Steelers nation on Twitter because it took literally five minutes for people to be like, yo, this is awesome. And then realize like, yo, this is terrible. I can't believe they did this. Gave up a conditional seventh rounder, which isn't that bad. It is what it is. Jesse Davis comes in here. Very, very deceiving. 72 starts seven over 700 snaps played guard and tackle all on the right side you look at his numbers not 
not great. Not great at all. Right. Uh, you love the versatility. You love the experience, <laughs> um, but you would rather the experience be good experience. Um, it is it is really hard to find a offensive lineman that is, quite frankly, worse than just about everyone that the Steelers have, at least everyone that the Steelers could conceive of playing this year um, on the offensive line. But Omar Khan managed to find him. Um, and uh, so, yeah, this one was a little bit of a head scratcher, I guess. It's just, I guess they didn't you know, take much to get him, but just like, I don't know. Like you said, on the surface, this everyone thought, you know, linebacker or offensive line upgrade. And then you dig not even very deep. You scratch the surface and uh, you can see immediately why this guy was so easy to get. Yeah, I need to do much in Minnesota. I think the thing is, is you released Joe Hag for him, which I mean, Joe Hag isn't great. But at one point this summer, you looked at Joe Hag and said, maybe this is the best offensive lineman Pittsburgh has. Like this could be an, a real thought. Got rid of him, which I, I, I don't know. I, I don't feel I don't feel great about that one to bring in this guy who this is my this is this is this is the words I've gotten about. Jesse Davis, uh, solely responsible for two attack of Iola's broken ribs. Not great. Incredible guy, terrible offensive lineman. Not what you want to hear. And to bring him in and he doesn't have, he's got barely any left tackle experience, which means that he's just here to replace Chooks. And I mean, Chooks doesn't need a replacement. Chooks could play the right side. Fine. He's probably the best offensive lineman that they have going into week one. I mean, I just very questionable and it would have been fine if it, was just adding to the to the mix here, but to bring him in and replace Joe Hag, I thought Joe Hag was fine. I didn't have any issues with Joe Hag. Yeah, yeah, I, that's the uh, that's the weirdest thing for me is that they didn't exactly need this guy. I guess like they, you know, if you, it, it just didn't make sense to me in that way. Like uh, if you're going to if you're going to go out and get an offensive lineman, why would you ditch someone that? you relatively like um, that you don't, yeah. you know, that hasn't been a complete disaster for you um, to get someone who it's hard to, you can't even say he has potential and you can't even say, I feel like you can't <laughs> even just say like change of scenery or something like that. It just doesn't, it's hard, really hard to imagine this really working out in a meaningful way. This, it, the change of scenery was Miami to Minnesota, which went from a dumpster fire to can't even keep him on the roster. So yeah. now you're sending them to Pittsburgh and you're thinking that's going to make it better. And on top of that, like Joe Hag is one name to get released, but John LeGlue getting released. That was even more shocking, I believe, because LeGlue could play across the entire offensive line. He was taking emergency long snapper reps during training camp. Like I just thought that he was the perfect fit for an offensive line that had zero off our answers. And instead, your answer is. Jesse Davis, who just isn't good. It was very, very, very questionable. But that's a good transition, I think, into the cuts because LeGlue, I believe, is one of the more surprising cuts that happened yesterday. There was a couple other ones. Kendrick Green made the team. I, I don't know if you saw, I tweeted out last night. It was like, God is great or something, or I love God or something. And you're just like, yeah, man, you you're a third round pick. You shouldn't be tweeting that out. You know, like you shouldn't be like, man, I barely made it on here. Good. Yeah. Shout out to Jesus. 
that just that shouldn't be it i feel yeah a former third round pick thanking god that he made the roster and not (laughs) that you know that's a little concerning um you would hope that he would be appreciative of or you know uh credit it to his own own play um but you know he really didn't didn't have any like he didn't hang his hat on what he did on the field so shout out to god for um helping kendrick green make the roster um yeah no that was that was weird too i just don't think kendrick green and like you said the other weird one uh buddy johnson another kind of a similar not a similar situation buddy johnson has been i I think much more productive than than kendrick green has but buddy johnson gets cut while kendrick green still like couple uh a couple draft picks from a few years ago buddy johnson was a fourth round pick kendrick green was a third round pick like how are these situations different? Why is Buddy Johnson, who's actually shown you something on the field, why is he the one that uh, gets cut while, um, while Kendrick Green kind of gets a second shot at this? When he's really shown you anything? I think that was the craziest part. Like Buddy Johnson, I expected to not make the team because, I mean, we both saw it. And you were the first one to point it out to me during the first preseason game that like he didn't know, he didn't even know where he was supposed to be on the field. And against the third team and that was that was concerning on top of that mark robinson looked really good but you look at their status and like kendrick green the only reason that kendrick green made this team is because he's a third round pick a year ago right like that's got to be the only politics had to play the only role in him making the 53 man roster you're telling me that Buddy Johnson's fourth round status wasn't enough, but Kendrick Green's was, and Kendrick Green was significantly worse. Like, I'm not saying that Buddy Johnson was good because he was also terrible, but Kendrick Green was the worst player on the field every time he was on the field. And that, uh, I mean, that's, that's, it, it just doesn't, like the politics there doesn't add up. And just to address this, and I'm going to get to the Jalen Warren comment here too, because I will acknowledge that, but uh, Buddy looked real bad. And then Mark Robinson took Buddy's spot. I agree that Mark Robinson took Buddy's spot, and he definitely did. But the Pittsburgh Steelers usually keep six inside linebackers. This year, I mean, right now, they have four. Marcus Allen's going to come back once DeMonte KZ is placed on IR. So that's only five. So it was like, oh, okay, well, Buddy really stinks, and we're not going to give him time to develop. But Kendra Green, we're going to stick around because there's no way he's going to pass through waivers. I just, that didn't make sense to me. Yeah, that was yeah, that was a real head scratch. One of the bigger ones of the day. Yeah, definitely one of the bigger ones of the day. We'll get into uh, um, VYBR8. Trying to talk a lot of smack here about Jalen Warren. Look, and I I uh, remember months ago when you said Jalen wouldn't make this team. So just to add some context there that I don't think is being addressed. And I'll be the first one to admit that I, you know, in rookie minicamp, I didn't think Jalen Warren was going to make this team because like I said, during minicamp, nobody showed flashes. And I, along with the Pittsburgh Steelers, believed that Mateo Durant was the better running back. That's why they gave Mateo Durant a $90,000 signing bonus to join this team. You... Saw Jalen Jalen Warren take over. I thought he definitely earned his spot. I mean, I would love to see him as the number two running back in Pittsburgh this season. I think that he's done enough to do that. Back, back in in June, late May, 
I had no belief that anybody was beating out Anthony McFarlane or Benny Snell. And to be totally honest, and this is a, this is a great transition here is I still, to this day, do not believe that Anthony McFarlane shouldn't have been the, should have been the one that got cut. And truthfully, I don't believe Benny Snell should have been either. I think it should have been Derek Watt. And it's very mind blowing that they kept a fullback while they tried to make Connor Hayward a fullback. And neither of them are actually going to play fullback this season. Yeah. I think you and I both thought when we saw Connor Hayward line up at fullback in that final preseason game, that kind of met the end of the line for Derek Watt. Um, just because they were, they, they seem to have a plan to replace him. They're playing Derek Watt a relatively large amount for a fullback and for a fullback who didn't, didn't do a whole lot um, for them. Um, and also particularly because the Steelers don't really use a fullback that much. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, I think no one really knew what to expect from Jalen Warren uh, coming into like, when he got signed. And he immediately blew up. Like, it was, it was obvious from, I think, the moment he stepped on the field that he was, he was better than Jalen Warren – or not Jalen Warren. Um, he is Jalen Warren. Uh, better than Mateo Durant. Like, he could just do so much more. And then he started adding some, some plays on special teams. He started, you know, showing that he was a good blocker too. Um, so, yeah, I, I think – you know, it's not a, it's not complete. It wasn't completely unreasonable to think when Jalen Warren was signed that he had an uphill battle to making the roster. But um, I don't think anyone would argue right now that he is, he is more than earned a shot at that, at those second team reps. Oh yeah, he definitely should. And to, to touch on this one, maybe Watt because of TJ, I truthfully, and like, this is weird because it's the NFL. I mean, he, I think that's exactly why. I think TJ Watt's brother is here in Pittsburgh until his contract runs out, which is after this season. It was dead money, though, so it doesn't, didn't really matter. And instead of keeping a guy that at the beginning of the summer, I mean, think about Anthony McFarland's role. When we showed up at training camp, Anthony McFarland was playing slot out wide. He was running with the first teams. Like, he had a significant role in this offense. And then... Jalen Warren comes in here, starts balling out, and instead of removing somebody, because Derek Watt hasn't played in two months, so instead of removing somebody from the offense that has zero, zero impact on this team, you decided to remove Anthony McFarland that you tried to have a significant role on this team, and truthfully, I thought he looked good. I just... I, it just does, it didn't make sense to me. I, I'm still looking back at it. It doesn't make sense. Even if they cut Benny Snell, and I think Benny Snell is a very valuable football player, it would have made more sense than to get rid of the guy that that you saw potential in, and instead just were just like, nah, never mind, man. We're we're good. Yeah, Anthony McFarland averaged five uh, five point seven yards per carry this preseason. Like he showed you something. Derek Watt did not. I don't. I don't understand why. Yeah. No, it doesn't make any sense. Derek Watt, and, and like the you have the special teams argument of, oh, Derek Watt's very good at special teams. Every single player on the Pittsburgh Steelers this season is good at special teams. Mm-hmm. Like they've everybody, they, Benny Snell, Miles Boykin. There's a million of guys out there that just, yeah. that it just doesn't make sense that he. It's got to be the last name. Yeah, that was our that was our go to every time we uh. We were trying to find a reason why someone could stay on the roster. We were like, oh, well, they can play special teams, can't they? they? Gotta, yeah, they could play special teams. And like, but I talked to everybody at the end, and everybody's like, oh, man, I'm so good at special teams. And I was like, 
well, it looks like you're making the roster, man. I don't, I, I don't have a reason for you not to make the roster. Yeah. Uh, Jalen Warren, do you expect that to stay the same? You think week one, Jalen Warren's still going to be the running back two? And I think a bigger question, do you expect a running back two to actually contribute this season? That is a good question. Um, I don't think so. I think Benny Snell has a pretty tight grip on that running back two spot. Um, uh, I I don't know. I think if I, I think they just like Benny Snell. I think Benny. I think they trust Benny Snell a little bit more than they trust Jalen Warren right now. Um, that's not to say that Jalen can't get up to that. Uh, can get up to that RB two spot, but I think it would take some time before the Steelers can really feel comfortable like settling in on him at that spot and demoting Benny. So I think that. I don't think that the Steelers utilize a running back two at all this season, just like they've done for the last 15 years. But I think that you're going to see Jalen Warren in times where they, he actually runs the football. And then you'll see Benny Snell in areas where you're like looking for more pass protection, that kind of thing. Because like we said time and time again, like the problem with Benny Snell is that Najee Harris can do everything he can do and he could do it better. So there's not really a point of putting Benny Snell out there. But Benny Snell is very good at pass protection. He's super reliable in that, actually. Um, I, I think that in those situations where you want those two running backs and you know you're going to throw the football, you'll put Najee and you'll put Benny out there, and then you'll you'll work those two. But I could see Jalen Warren getting a couple of snaps early in the season if he makes the most of them. I mean, you never know. You never know. But behind this offensive line, yeah. it doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter. All right. Um, Wide receivers, they kept seven of them. I think we were both surprised because we talked all summer about who was going to make the team. Tyler Vaughn's, I think, surprised a couple of people because he broke out there at the end. My thoughts on Tyler Vaughn's were he did, and I think he earned a roster spot somewhere, but I knew the whole time it wasn't going to be in Pittsburgh because they were looking for a guy that deep in the roster. Like Steven Sims has punt return ability, so just in case... Calvin Austin has to miss some time. He's the backup punt returner. Tyler Vaughn's had the same ability, but not as good as Steven Sims. So that kind of gave Sims the upper hand. And then they're both making plays. And, and Miles Boykin, you keep because he's the most consistent guy of the group. And he's a great gunner. And you just got rid of Justin Lane. So he's going to replace Justin Lane on special teams. So you have to keep him. Uh, I think that's where Tyler Vaughn's went wrong. But I do think Tyler Vaughn's. I think he does get picked up somewhere. I would be very surprised if he doesn't. Yeah, I think this was – I would agree. I think this was less about what Tyler Vons didn't do and more about what everyone else around him did. Um, like you said, Vons made a bunch of plays, um, but just there were other guys making a lot of plays in front of him. So you had to cut someone, and, and he was the odd man out. you know. Um, and I think the fact that he even – that they did keep seven receivers and – Bond still couldn't couldn't crack that top seven. I think that kind of tells you what you need to know. Um, yeah, I, I think that I mean, worst case scenario for Tyler Bonds, he's back on the practice squad and like you could get called up at any time. But I think somebody somewhere is going to be like, oh, we need a wide receiver. This guy's been balling out, especially in the fourth quarter, like at, at nine o'clock rolls around. Tyler Bonds is the best wide receiver on a football field. And I think that somebody somewhere is going to be like, okay, well, we'll give him a shot. You know, he might not make the team, but we'll give him a shot. Mm -hmm. uh, but I could see him, Cody White, 
I don't remember who, maybe Tyler Sneed coming back to the, the practice squad, but it doesn't really, it, it more surprised me that Steven Sims and Miles Boykin made this team, which leads you here. What players of the 53 man could be moved to injured reserve? Do you expect Calvin Austin to be moved to the, to the IR? I think a week ago we were talking about that, but I haven't heard anything since. Yeah, I, I think the injury seemed much more serious a while ago um, than it does now. Um, you obviously at practice yesterday. I don't know what you saw, but um, you know Austin's been out there uh, out of his boot in a helmet um, along the sidelines. So, and uh, you know, hearing from what I've heard from Coach Tomlin, um, they seem to be much more optimistic about him coming back than than uh, than I guess we we all kind of thought without without you know that direct knowledge um so yeah i think i i could see calvin austin going on the ir but i think they'd like to avoid that um if they can because he seems to be much closer than um yeah i I think a week ago we were looking at it like he's probably gonna miss another four weeks i think at this point it might be like two when they don't want to really i mean calvin austin is a guy you don't want on ir if he doesn't have to be on ir the seven wide receivers might be a sign though like Okay, we are we are planning on Calvin not being here for a little while, and we have to be prepared for that. And then when he comes back off IR, the the question there would be who do you bring back? Because Sims is a fourth year guy, so he wouldn't even have to pass through waivers. So you would have been able to do that. So maybe they are just looking for seven wide receivers, which makes almost no sense to me. Like, what are you going to do with seven wide receivers when your top four are? Deontay Johnson, who should never come off the field. Chase Claypool, who should come off the field a little bit, but not much. George Pickens, who should never come off the field. And Calvin Austin, who, again, should never come off the field. Like, that just – where you're not putting anybody else out there. You're not taking Najee off the field, so. Yeah, I, I think that's where, you know, if you wanted to keep – yeah, I think even if Boykin was your sixth guy, that's – I think you're – you're you're onto something there with keeping Calvin with keeping uh Steven Sims and having him kind of be the the fill in for Calvin Austin. Well you I mean obviously he's not gonna fill right in for Calvin Austin, but he fits more of the mold of what Calvin Austin would do. Um as opposed to, you know, Boykin or Cody White or you know uh, any of the other guys that can um Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cody White a tough day for Sheldon White, huh? Like yeah. Tough day for for Pops up there in the front office to be like, hey man, sorry, you're you're gone. He will be back, though, on the practice squad. I guarantee you that one. Um, Any theories on why Mike Tomlin refuses to name a quarter? I even tried to get around it. Like, I, I, for everybody who watched the press conference yesterday, I was the one that was like, how close is this battle? And he was like, well, I already know the winner, and I'm just not going to tell you because we're going to feed the monster. And then Mitch Trubisky said that Tomlin hasn't told him either. So, Two questions. Do you believe Mitch Trubisky that Mike Tomlin has not informed them? And do you think that this really does benefit them that nobody knows who the starting quarterback is a week from week one? Well, the thing is, I think everyone knows who it is. I Whether Mike Tomlin says it or not, one guy has been taking the vast majority of first-team reps. One guy has started every preseason game. There's one guy – it's – it's Mitch Trubisky, whether or not Mike Tomlin says it. And I don't – I think he's – I think the competition has already been won. I think everyone in the Steelers' locker room could probably tell that it's already been won. Um, yeah. So to that end, I don't really see the advantage of keeping it a secret 
Um, I don't know why you would kind of dangle this in front of Mitch like this and not kind of give him like, I think Mitch has earned it. I think Mitch has earned the starting job. So I don't know why you would withhold it from him like this. It seems a little, I guess, I guess you could call it disrespectful. Maybe that's too strong of a word, but it's just odd. And I don't know why you wouldn't, you wouldn't uh, just give this guy the confidence that he needs. And to, when you're two weeks away, from, less than two weeks away from your first game of the season, I, I don't, it, it's real odd to me. I don't really, I didn't really understand. Do you think that, and maybe I'm just being nuts. Cause you know, I do this sometimes. Do you think that, that Kenny won the job and, and that he just isn't ready to say, or do you think that, that it's, cl- it's much closer than he wants to say, and he's just not willing to let because it's Mike Tomlin. He's not willing to let us know that. Do you think that possibly? Yeah, I think that's more likely. I think Mike Tomlin just likes to mess with everyone. Um, you know, I think like because I, I saw someone say the other day like he's having fun with it. Like he is enjoying kind of dangling this in front of the media and the fans to a certain extent too. But um, I think he knows who his who his guy is. Um, it's just, you know, maybe he does want to keep the Bengals guessing, but how much do you think the Bengals are actually guessing? Exactly. It goes all against your grayless name faces, or gray nameless, nameless gray faces theory in Pittsburgh of we don't even care about the other guys. We're just focused on ourselves. Yeah. Well, uh, you're apparently you're not because you're not feeding yeah. the beast. You don't want to feed right. the beast. I think that. I would be very surprised if Kenny Pickett is the starter week one, but it wouldn't surprise me in a like, Oh my gosh, I didn't see this coming. It would just surprise me. And I really thought that Mitch won the job and not because he did anything special, but just because he didn't do anything wrong. But uh, and, and on top of that, like you don't want to put Kenny back there behind that offensive line because it's bad and it's not getting any better. And at that point, let Mitch get just beat up. You know, it doesn't sound good. You don't want to do that to anybody, but you don't want to do that to Kenny Pickett and say, okay, man, go run for your life all the time against really good defensive teams, especially in the AFC North and have fun, you know, welcome to the NFL. I hope it's a blast. Yeah. And I think also just from a, a literal, like you want to win games perspective. Like I trust Mitch Trubisky to handle that pressure a lot more than I do any rookie. Like yeah. Oh, any rookie. Rookies don't win Super Bowls. It's 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 plain and simple. Rookie quarterbacks don't win Super Bowls. If they did, and like maybe Kenny would be the guy that broke it. I don't know, but rookie quarterbacks historically do not win Super Bowls, and you don't want to do that if you're if you're still hunting for a Super Bowl. And this team is built where if they had an offensive line, they'd be very good, like a very good team. But you're not built for that right now. Would you? Is a trade right here. And just so everybody's clear, they would not trade Mitch Trubisky. They're not trading any of the quarterbacks. But hypothetically, would you take a second round pick for Mitch and start Kenny and Rudolph as your backup? My answer is an easy yes. Easy yes. Yeah, second round pick is a pretty good. That's, I think, a little bit too valuable to give up, especially when you have, I think we can all agree, someone who you think is pretty capable. Um, like I said, you wouldn't want to throw Kenny back there behind that offensive line. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess if you if you could get a second round pick back for it, you you um you kind of have to do that. You got to pull the trigger. But I can't say I would feel real good about it. Just because no. I think I think the season is not like 
they don't need to throw away this season. Like this is a season where they can do something where they can make some noise. So I, I wouldn't love like just throwing Pickett right into the fire right away. I think that creates some unreasonable expectations for him. I think it puts too much pressure on him. Um, and you don't want to like kill his confidence and his body in his first year in the NFL. Yep. I, it, it's not Madden. You're not playing Madden. You're playing for a Super Bowl. You know, you can't fast forward. You got to really deal with this season. And Mike Tomlin's not looking to lose. He's never been looking to lose. So I don't, they would never do it. But if somebody called him, was like, here's a second round pick for Mitch Trubisky, you're like, well, okay. You want him today or tomorrow, mm-hmm. yesterday? Yeah. Uh, we could get it. We could get him there in an hour, really. Yeah. yeah. Easy. Easy. Uh, last one here, I think we touched on pretty much everything is it's uh we got to touch this too no he would not first off mitch trubisky is more athletic than anybody realizes he's probably more athletic than kenny pickett and you cannot like the theory of a bad offensive line is not your quarterback should be running around trying to get rid of the ball now i will give you that kenny works best outside the pocket but that's not what you want your quarterback to be doing nobody's like oh man just you know, go avoid all the guys and then throw the football. Like that's not yeah. a successful, that's not the solution to a yeah. bad offensive line. It's, yeah. Kenny's not athletic enough to play four on one or whatever, or, you know, seven on 11, you know, like he's, he's not good enough to do that. No, nobody is. You're not like, n- nobody is. You're not Lamar Jackson. And even Lamar Jackson's line's pretty good. So nope, you can't, you just, nope, 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 nope. It's nope. Um, all right, so this is where we'll end here because it does tie into the Alex Leatherwood comment. Uh, what would you do first to reinvent the offensive line? Where would you start? So I think Alex Leatherwood is a good place to start. Would you go get a guy who started 17 games for the Raiders last year, sucked, sucked way worse in the preseason this year, but as a first-round pick a year ago if you had the opportunity to grab him on waivers? Yeah. Uh, I think you would. Um, I think that's a that makes much more sense than going out and getting Jesse Davis. Like, at the very least, you can say change of scenery. He's one year out of the draft. Like, there's a lot of potential there. Um, so I, I don't think that's a bad move at all. Like, definitely, especially if he's just on weight. Go get him. Go get him. Why not? Like, you can't. And again, we, it all comes back to the fact that you're starting from such a low place with this offensive line that it is hard to go any lower. So. Yep. Yeah, why not? Like, take I, a chance. I agree. I think that – so the, I think the Steelers screwed up because they used their waiver place. They used their waiver claim to move them down to the bottom of the list for Elijah Riley, who had no business being here whatsoever. And now they're they're kind of like fighting from the bottom to hope that guys like Leather would fall. I think Leather would be, would be a great addition. And on top of that, I think he's – I think he had would have potential at guard. I remember people talking during his pra- draft process about, oh, he might be able to play guard. And, like, I think if he's not going to tackle, move him inside and see what happens because Kevin Dotson and Kendrick Green are not the answer. Dan Moore Jr. is not the answer. So you might as well have options there. And I agree with you. Like, like if you're starting at rock bottom and somebody's like, well, here's a, a first-round pick a year ago, well, it's better than the third and fourth round pick that you have working right now a year ago. So, it, I mean, politics-wise, go get him. And quality-wise, I don't know how good he is, but he's an option. Uh, Andre Dillard is another name that's been tossed out here. I think that's a good guard option for them. Uh, there was a couple guys that were cut in, like, the first round that I think 
could be out there for them. But I think right now it's go big or go home. And if Alex Leatherwood is the start, go get him. Easy. Easy. Um, I also agree with this one. Any player that has experience in Pat Myers' system will get a phone call. I, I agree with that one. I agree with that one. I think that if your offensive line coach has faith in a guy that's on the open market, you see what's up. But, uh, I mean, I, I just think – I think Alex Leatherwood, and just to answer this one before we head out here, you know, position overall just – Yeah. You got to go – I think Alex Leatherwood's just the top of the list, no matter what position ever. And and Eric Fisher is out there, so – and that's an option. The The problem with Eric Fisher is he's going to be worth a lot of money. He's, he's, a, he's a good name, don't get me wrong, but – uh, and Derek broke this down the other day, like him and Dan Moore kind of struggle in the same areas from times. And that might be iffy. And on top of that, if you're looking to build an offensive line, Alex Leatherwood's a better option than a 31 year old Eric Fisher that is just looking for a boatload of money. So I, you know, it, I wouldn't be upset about either of them. I think either of them are a good signing and a major upgrade, but if I had to pick, I'm going Alex Leatherwood because I'll take that chance before I, Go get a veteran that that's just out there. But all right, we're heading out of here. Thank you so much for jumping on to another episode of All Steelers Talk. Make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, youtube.com slash all Steelers Talk, and check out our audio collection anywhere you get your podcasts. And as always, be a friend to tell a friend to go use our promo code at manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping. I'll be back on Friday with Derek. Enjoy your week. Peace. <laughs>